Well, our moms think we're funny. Please be advised, this episode contains flagrant use of the N-word from our special guest. But he's black, so it's okay. If this offends you, please skip this episode and join us next week for a brand new attempted humor. Or get over yourself and stop being such a n- Thank you, Corova Entertainment Management. Was that my pencil? Because what the fuck? I love that scene right there. Um, he it's kind of cheesy looking, but it's also so creepy too. The, oh. It's Friday Thirteenth, the scene where Freddy's in the I mean, not Nightmare Street, Street. when Freddy's in the alley and he stretches his arms out to block her from leaving the alley. And and this is right after the scene where he like starts pushing through her ceiling. Which, which is also a great scene. Oh, it's great. It's beautiful. But it's like, it's really obvious how they did it, but it still looks really good. Yeah, that scene looked dope. But the stretching the arms, I don't even know if that was necessary. Like, it's already <laughs> freaky enough to just see a guy coming down with his cl- his outfit on, first and foremost. Yeah. So the phrase outfit was like, bruh, the fuck? <laughs> oh, Freddy. I like how he keeps looking at his hand like, Huh? Huh? <laughs> this is freaky, right? He cuts his fingers up. He looks at it like, huh? Huh? <laughs> well, it was like a magic trick, like like he'd done like the where my thumb go. It's like, ooh, <laughs> this is a great scene right here. Oh, nice. Oh, people are gonna be so jealous that we're watching Friday the Thirteenth for them. Nightmare on Elm Street. Damn, now I'm doing it. Uh-huh. It is three fifteen. <laughs> We have, well, we've got like two episodes worth of material here, if not more. <laughs> but anyway, so we got to finish up Infinity War. So this is what happens to us all the time, right? Is, um, is, uh, you know, uh, so Infinity War, you got all stuff going on. You got, he beat his ass with her. That's the shit I like. I like <laughs> when somebody beats somebody with somebody else's hand, body, leg, arm. Like, that shit is dope. If I had the power, not that I'm a violent person. I'd like to beat somebody with somebody else. If you had a problem with two guys and you grab one of them and beat him with the other one, oh, that yeah. shit would make them never want a problem with anybody That's like, that's like some, dungeon, some like Double Dragon type shit. Double Dragon, yeah. Well, it also happens in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, and um, and uh, River City Ransom. Oh, yeah. We used to pick the ninjas up all the time and beat them with the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, River City Ransom. Our greatest accomplishment, our greatest failure. So, I don't know, what are, what are we missing from Infinity War at this point? Uh, well, I mean, we haven't really talked much about the Order of the, was it, Order of the Black Hand or whatever it is, Thanos' people. But, you know, we talked about Ebony Maw, uh, Corvus Glaive, um, who really is kind of kind of bitched out in that. And yeah. then, uh, of the Proxima Midnight, she's, she's badass. Um, but, uh, you know, I think when they went to, when they went to Wakanda and, uh, and, you know, Captain America shows up and they go and they, you know, they get the white wolf and, and all that. And I just, them handling that, that part of it with the whole Wakanda thing, it was, uh, kind of neat. And, oh, and I love, I love the way Rhodey, like, turns his back on, um, on, uh, on General Thunderbolt Ross. Oh yeah, you know, he's like, you signed as a chorus. He was like, yeah, I did, you know. And anyway, I just, I thought, I thought all that was cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really good. Have you seen the how it should have ended? Um, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes. Yeah. When Brody shows up, and he's like, you put a parachute in his suit. I mean, you put a parachute in my suit. John Saxon. Hell, that's why he put it in the suit. He's huh? all having a roadie. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to add this. <laughs> oh, right, the parachute. Why didn't I think of that sooner? It's Lives. hard to believe all, all the things Tony thinks about, prepares for, and does, and he didn't put anything in there as a safe go for if the suit gets knocked off course something <laughs> you put an airbag in the fl- face plate <laughs> <laughs> right but nothing to save you from falling out of the sky oh see, here's the thing right and I think it's one of the things where Tony's a very smart man but sometimes smart people extremely smart people forget about the little things right well, that's why intelligence and wisdom are two different stats in D&D well so okay, let me ask this well, hold on, hold on. what I'm getting at is that one of the first things that Tony learns 
in the suit when he flies too high and he encounters the icing problem, right? Because he mentioned that to Warmonger later. He's like, how'd you solve the icing problem? He's like, what? He goes, you should look into it. And he knocks him down. But part of that is also, right, is I'm falling. How do I stop myself from falling? Especially if I can't get the suit to come back on. Mm -hmm. Parachute. That, that was the, I mean, that's the thing he encounters in the very first one, but he still never puts one in the suit ever. Because he's arrogant. <laughs> right. And because that little touch right there, just that, that escapes him. Because part of that is also the fact that I'm never going to be able to. So a parachute says, I've given up. I can't save myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so something like that, it's like, it's like a safety net. And he's like, I don't need a safety net. Right. I'm Tony Stark. What I need to do is build a better suit so that I would never have the icing problem. But he never thinks about what if, you know, something else happens. Yep. But yeah, you're right. It, it is a matter of arrogance and the fact he's, he's almost like a Kirk, like, you know, like, I don't believe in a no-win situation. Yep. Okay, but when Rhodey got hit, he crashed into the ground, right? Uh-huh. Shouldn't even even in a dysfunctioning mode, shouldn't the suit have been able to have absorbed the impact? No, because if you remember, the suit doesn't have any padding inside it at all. But he takes hits from other things when it's active. And when he does, when you see him get out of that suit, especially in the very first movie, he's got marks on his neck from where the um the the joints and the um and everything where he got hit and it pressed against his skin. So no, I'm got, saying like some of the impact hits he he, he took in the suit, even during the fight. When everybody was fighting and everything, like he could have took a severe injury then. Well, so so he takes hits, right, and that absorbs like the imp like it absorbs like the hit, but there's still some inertial impact. So yeah, when he hit the ground, right, it absorbed a lot of that of that hit, but there's still the speed of like you know of hitting the ground. Sound like and Tony ain't on his A game or don't give a fuck about it. It's, it's, it's kind of like they say, you know, when you fall, it's not the fall that kills you; it's a sudden stop. You can only absorb so much of that, but inside his body is still moving, the, you know, the same. So even though the suit may have absorbed the actual impact, his body goes from this to this. Still, even though the suit... This like, is an Iron Man suit, my G. That shit should have been like, oh shit, and they got fell off the table. <laughs> but the, the yeah. Iron Man suit also, it doesn't have any kind of cushion or padding inside. Yeah. I, I think the it's fact that the Iron Man suit kept him from dying, but, you know, can't. It was why when he took the mask off, right, he didn't just like pour out of the suit. You know what? Black Panther ain't had to fall from a thousand million feet up to say, I need to make sure when I fall, this shit works. Well, he doesn't have to because it's made out of vibranium. Tony be fucking up. <laughs> Which is also why Black Panther doesn't make any noise when he moves. So Tony be fucking up. Well, no, Tony just didn't have access to vibranium because... Because, you know, Tony is a complete bitch. I mean, I love Tony Stark, right? But in the end of Civil War, right? He's like, you deserve that shield. My dad made that shield. You give it back. And Captain Man's like, man, you had this fucking shield. Punk ass bitch. <laughs> I give it to him too. I thought I kicked his ass well, with his suit. Right. What I hated about that whole ending is that I've always said that Iron Man is basically Batman without mommy and daddy issues. And Civil War completely undid that argument. Well, without mom and daddy issues or the ability to fight hand to hand, because Tony ain't, ain't ain't no fighter. No. Well, well, the suit does fighting. The suit beat Cap, not Tony. Right. Because yeah. the suit analyzed his fight yeah. pattern, and he, and then it just but, but he still got for. his ass kicked because the suit wasn't able to adjust the Cap's adjustments. Yep. Well, you remember know. when Winter was it when he tried to approach Winter Soldier the first time. Like, there was no chance. Like, you're not finna beat, beat the Winter Soldier. Like, even if he was just regular Winter Soldier with his regular arm, like, fuck, he was gonna kick your ass. Cause you don't have no hand to hand combat skills. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I remember in, and so the first Iron Man comic that I really read was Iron Man trade that I got was um, when he was really starting to first descend into his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And Justin Hammer had, um, had cracked, had, um, found a way to take over his suit and was controlling his suit and made him kill a, um, made, made start kill um, some kind of like dignitary or whatever. Oh yeah, I remember that. And so he had to give S.H.I.E.L.D. his suit, but he strips all the circuitry out of it first. And of course they destroy the suit 
And then he was like, you know, and of course they're under the impression that that's the only suit he has and blah, blah, blah. Right. So um, he goes to Cap and, and asks Cap to train him how to fight. And Captain America, okay, he's like, the first thing I need you to do is like, he's like, you know, take a swing at me, right? He's like, he's like, take a swing at me. So he does, and he grabs his arm and throws him across the room. And he's like, first thing you know is, if someone t- tells you to take a punch at him, right? He's like, don't do it, because they obviously have a reason behind that. Mm-hmm. And then he trained him how to fight. And uh, and that's the only way he knows how to fight. Which is one of the things I don't like about Superman. is like, Superman's all brute strength. When people say, Batman can't be Superman. I'm like, yeah, I know he's got the strength and all that kind of stuff. But what he doesn't have is he doesn't have any fighting skill because he doesn't have to. Because he's all brute strength. Once he, and you always do is get a hand on you. But the thing is, part of knowing how to fight, especially if you know like 20 different martial arts stuff like, like Batman does, is my job is to really keep you from hitting me until I can find a way to hit you. Now, mm-hmm. granted, you just punching Superman is not really going to do that much good, whether he lays a hand on you or not. But when you're Batman, you always put some, a little, something a little extra with that. But anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Iron Man can't fight. He doesn't know how to. He never had to learn how to. Yeah. Um, and side note, I heard that nice conversation y'all having with the uh, gentleman who just hates anything dealing with Batman not being like a really sweet guy. Mm-hmm. Tucks the villains in at night. <laughs> it took everything inside of me to just stay out of that conversation. Well, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't engage him in that. I just let it go because he's like, I like the nice, warm, gentle Batman. Like that motherfucker dresses up as a bat and goes around beach criminals. <laughs> he, lo- like, he, he watched his parents die. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be something a, a little bothered inside oh. of a person who experiences such thing. I, mean, I always thought it would, it made a lot more sense for Batman to be more merciless. Dude, I, did I, I? I don't know if I told you. Um, I actually had a conversation with somebody who didn't like Dark Knight Returns. That guy did. <laughs> he kept saying, "I don't, I don't like nothing Miller did with him." Okay, he, like, he said he said he didn't like anything after Miller. I'm like, how would you not like the Dark Knight Returns? There's yeah. there's so much about that to love. But I mean, like, it's okay. The stuff that came before, where Batman was doing more of the detective stuff and things like that, but. Batman was fucking up a lot, though. So I mean, yeah. look, I like Jim Aparo's artwork, right? And I love Jose Go Luis Garcia Lopez, right? But the stories themselves were not that great because they never they never went as dark as Batman started out. Back mm-hmm. when Batman used to carry a gun, Batman used to shoot people and push them off the cliffs. And when you try and to bring that up to to the bat purists, they're like, "Yeah, but the gun was just more like there. It's a gun, bro. Yeah, like yes. Period. Point blank. It's a gun, like, dude. Didn't he, didn't he shoot kids in one story? Probably. It was like kids that had been like zapped with some ray that made them giants and they were shooting them with like stuff to shrink them back down or something. I can't remember. I remember when I read Batman the Cult that uh, I think didn't Jim Starlin write that? It was Jim Starlin, I think Bernie Wrightson. I remember and, seeing um, the, the title. And actually, the one I have is a misprint. I've got like two of my pages out of order, <laughs> which I never, I never realized until much later. So I was like, "Why is this story jumping around like this?" But you know, because this, this cult comes in, takes over Gotham, and Batman gets kicked out, and he comes back to Gotham in like the Bat Tank, and he's like <laughs> shooting rubber bullets at people and shit. And it's, it's so fucking badass. That's dude. awesome. But again, because because people don't realize that Batman is an excellent marksman. He doesn't use a gun, right? But part of him being an excellent marksman, right, is that if he does have to use a gun, it's so it will, he, he will, he won't kill anybody. So he right. will shoot properly, and it, he will, he will like use a gun and shoots rubber bullets or something like that because he's done it several times before. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just always found it funny, like people been mad about Batman using the gun. People been mad about Batman punching the shit out of somebody. Like I thought that fight in BVS when he went in and say. Uh, Soup's mom was like just some dope shit. Like that's a fight oh, scene I wanted to see Batman had. Oh yeah, that 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 was like like from a cinema standpoint, that is what I've wanted to see from Batman for my entire life. Oh dude, when he jumps off the when he jumps off the Batwing and comes into the window, and you get to see the the silhouette of the oh, bat. So beautiful. And then he, they do the they do the line from the Dark Knight Returns. Where he's like, "I'll kill her," and he goes, "I believe you." And then, like, I was like, oh, that's the shit right there. Yeah. There's so many things that Snyder, visually, he he gets how to do comic book movies. Even some of the paneling and the way that he sets certain scenes up. Mm-hmm. And you can't, I don't care what anybody says about being tired of Batman's origin. That opening scene 
when the parents get killed, mm -hmm. like that was one of the most beautifully sad, but beautiful things put together I've oh, yeah. seen in a long time with a comic movie period. Like even outside of a comic movie, like you felt the, the, the power of that moment when the gun went off and the pearls snapped back, like oh, yeah. the angles of it all. Like, oh, yeah. that's one of the things that the power, powerful things about this dude, like regardless of what you, you feel about his overall writing, which I agree, the execs at Warner Brothers fucked a lot of oh, yeah. th that stuff up by jumping in and cutting this and changing that and wanting yes. to do this and yeah. that. I even heard a dude be like, well, you know, when Josh came in, I'm like, no, you tried to tell him like, well, that's two different vibes when you put those two people together. And he's like, no, but you know, like that's the stuff that I love. And I'm like, shit. But the thing is, <laughs> we, when, you, when you look at it, there's a lot that, they say Snyder was actually putting some more humor and lightening it up because if you watch Justice League actually goes from being dark movie to a light movie. Like the palette actually starts to warm up and that's all intentional. Right, you I know? think that was Snyder's, when they put all this in his hands, even with the Superman stuff, I felt like he was trying to build up and get to this place with Superman's character becoming who people, you know, who diehard Superman fans wanted him to be. And every time I try to say to a Superman fan, like, imagine, you know, you have all these powers, mm -hmm. but you're raised by humans with morals and principles and fears and all these other things. And you're trying to balance and figure out how to do the right thing and constantly having to make choices and judgments. And even realize, you, even with all this, I can't save everybody. I can't do everything. And then you have to take a life. You know, we're assuming this is the first time he ever had to actually make that choice to yep. take a life, how does that impact someone? That and the fact that everyone's like, Superman doesn't kill him. like, have you ever read Superman comic? you know how many times he has killed General Zod in the comic book? This oh, yeah. is not the first time. You know, and the thing is, remember in, remember in Batman Begins, right? When he's fighting Ra's al Ghul, right? And he's like, are you ready to make that choice now? He's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to save you either. Right. Which is pretty much the same thing as, as killing somebody, yeah, right? Yeah. right? Making the choice to but, but, but people, people don't, they don't, they don't say that, right? It's like, well, he, he didn't kill him, but yeah, but he didn't save him either. Right. And knowing he was going to die, if you don't save him, that's the same thing as killing him. Mm -hmm. So, so Superman, Superman killed Zod, and they're like, you know, it's not fair, but Zod put this, because I love Zod, and I, we're way off topic here, but I love Zod because Zod's whole thing was, I was genetically created to do one thing, right? protect Krypton at all costs. And I have no control over that. That is in my DNA, right? Mm -hmm. Like Kendrick Lamar, like that is in my DNA. I have to do this. I can't fight this any more than I can fight the wind in my Shyamalan, right? And <laughs> and the thing is, so so when he's going all out, he's like, I don't give a fuck about your earth. All I do is care about is bringing Krypton back. And then he's destroyed, Superman destroyed that. He destroyed that whole thing. He's like, my one purpose, in this life, you've taken away from me. I have no purpose at all. I technically at this point have no life. If you've destroyed that, right, then I need you. I'm going to need to do, even if I destroy everything you love, it's still not going to give me purpose. Mm -hmm. So Zod put him in a position that he would have to kill him because he needed that release. He needed not to live anymore because Krypton couldn't be brought back. And he was basically like a space Ronin. Only even worse because at least a Ronin can still just wander around. He had no purpose at all anymore, yeah. and yeah. people don't seem to recognize that. Now, I'm not saying they don't Man want to recognize. I'm not saying Man Steel is a good movie because it's not, right? I think it's a good movie. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but I think it's a good movie, and I think yeah. I, I think had like a lot of problems. Little, I was little, bored. I was bored, honestly. Little things that they did that that Zach chose to do, even the way Superman takes took off, yeah, like. That was powerful. That was those details that you didn't really get in other movies. Sometimes because they didn't have the technology, other times because people just didn't consider it. And I can tell Zach, and this is not to be funny, but I can tell Zach's a fan of Dragon Balls. There's certain things that he did with the powering and the taking off and the ground moving. Even even Zod was very much Vegeta. Oh, absolutely. Like he was very much the prince, but not in the position of being a prince, but that whole like this is who I'm supposed to be, like you just said. He just basks in his own power. Right. And it's, right. Yeah, it's totally Vegeta. So, you know, there's there's so many things that that Zach did right and I was looking forward to 
what where he was gonna go and and, and, and handle it. Personally, I also felt like I wished he just would have been able to handle Batman. I wish they would have just let him do a couple of Batman films from the I jump. Was, I was I was so excited about seeing a Ben Affleck written, directed, acted Batman because I was like, that's gonna be so awesome. And then I think Warner Brothers just started fucking around with things, and then Ben Affleck was they like, bought in. No, he bought in Matt Reeves, right? Because okay, he because so he, he, he was like he was like he's like you know what I because he had um with Chris Terrio whatever it is mm-hmm. right, and then he was like, um he was like you know uh, I'm gonna bring in Matt Reeves right to um to help me like write the screen you know because he brought in Chris Terrio to help him write the screenplay he was like you know what um because he had that fight I think what it was he had that fight with Warner Brothers where Warner Brothers was like we want to start production this year Ben Affleck was like look. I'm not ready to start yet. The screenplay is not where I want to do. I want to do this movie justice, right? Right. And then he had that thing with, with Warner Brothers. They were like, okay, fine. We're going to back off. But through their whole movie lineup, like schedule, release schedule out. And I think they took that uh, away. And then they started putting pressure on him. He's like, okay, fine. Then I'm just going to write it and I'm going to direct it. I'm going to let Matt direct it, right? I like Matt. And then Matt kind of flipped on him probably because of the studio. And he's like, yeah, I don't really want Ben Affleck in it anymore. And he's like, and plus, I don't really like his script. I don't get my own script. <laughs> and I think it was just more of this, like, they were just basically saying, Warner Bros. was giving a big fuck you to Ben Affleck in the same way they did Scott Snyder. And Which is crazy because Snyder has made Warner Brothers so much money. Right. And, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a longtime Snyder fan, right? And I'm not saying what he does is perfect, and uh, but I'm a longtime Snyder fan. And I will be a Snyder fan because... He makes mistakes, right? And every director makes mistakes. He makes mistakes, but he has a vision for these movies, or had a vision for these movies that you know, I've talked about so many different times. And and there's so many great things. So in Man of Steel, right? One of my favorite scenes in Man of Steel is when Superman's fighting Zod, and Zod ends up like, his X-ray vision cuts in, and it cuts the floor and he's Superman, and he just hovers in the air. And I'm like, I've never seen that Superman movie before. He would fall and then recover, but in this one, he's like, he's smart enough to just like, oh, the floor drop, I can fly. Right. That was that was beautiful to me. Oh yeah. And then that opening scene in Batman Superman, where you see where you see, um, well, first off, like the guys on the phone with uh, what you know, Bruce Wayne sees what's going on, and he flies straight there to Metropolis, and he gets in that vehicle, and he drives, and, and he runs. It's that cloud of smoke and, uh, and stuff and like dust and debris and everything. Mm-hmm. And that whole scene, and then when he watches, and I love the way they cut that to where you can, you see like the fight scene and the, the I mean, it, it ties directly into the exact fight scene, the angles and everything from Man of Steel. There's so many things he did brilliantly with, with all of that. And then he, then he looks up and again, you know, like his whole thing of why he's Superman, but he looks near, it's like, the Wayne um, Wayne financial thing on the ground. He's holding a little girl and he looks up and all he sees is like, you brought this here. You came to this planet, brought these guys here and look mm-hmm. at what you've done, right? And and I think he, he goes back and he talks to Alfred and he's like, look, we've been fighting all these like chumps and everything like the Joker and stuff like that. Not to say they're not threats, but they're not the same kind of threats as these people from outer space. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if I don't stop him now, who, you know, there, there are more coming, and it's not even a matter of like I need to send a message, but he's I need to I need to step my game because right now he's the only one that you know of. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that's doing this. Yep. I also thought it was unfair that people didn't accept the 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 the, the seemingly instant connection between Bruce and Clark with the mom thing, but they was cool with Bucky snapping out of it when him and Cap had their little eye contact <laughs> moment. Yep. And I'm like, it's the same thing. Like, you know what? Because what happened with that was someone made, and I've seen this a lot with so many things, right? People start jumping on the bandwagon of hate. Someone says something, I didn't like this, right? And then they start making fun of it. And everyone else decides they're going to jump on it too and make fun of it because that's the end thing to do. Yeah, right? but they just hate on it because it's trendy too. Right, and that's it. And it's like the whole Martha thing. When I explain that to people, you know, and I'm, 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 I've explained it so many times, I'm really sick of talking about it. But <laughs> see, when I explain that to people, are like, nah, it doesn't matter. I'm like, no, that makes perfect sense. It makes, you know? perfect, it makes sense. perfect sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. But like, and and this was the same guy um, I was talking to a while back who didn't like Dark Knight Returns. He was saying that like 
he didn't like Batman versus Superman because Batman was an asshole throughout the movie, and I was like, but look at look at what they're depicting here. They're depicting the Dark Knight Returns Batman. Right. It's like he's been at this for a long time. He's jaded. He he's he knows that what he's doing isn't really working because okay, what's he gonna do? He's gonna beat up Joker, throw him back in Arkham, and he's gonna get out again. And, and he's gonna he's kill lost, people again. He's lost people. He's lost people. Like he's lost friends. to Robin. It's like he's he's dealt with loss. He's extremely jaded. He's, he's dealt with loss again. Mm-hmm. After feeling helpless to doing things for his parents. Yep. It's like so he's he's jaded. He's really broken in a lot of ways. And then Superman comes. Of course he's gonna flip his shit in that case. And, I mean, and that's not, not. Let's not pretend that Batman hadn't been an asshole in many ways prior to oh, people yeah. in general. Like right. that's just part of who he see he is at times. I mean, that's, people people mention that when he fought the KG Beast, mm-hmm. and it leaves him locked in like the sewer with no way out. Mm-hmm. And it's like he the KG Beast pretty much died. You know, when he made his way out, but as far as Batman knew, he had no way of getting out of there, and Batman wasn't planning on coming back. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, again, I'm not going to kill you, but, you know, I'm not going to save you either. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the same thing as, like I said, like letting somebody die. So, yeah, Batman, you said, has been an asshole in a lot of ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Many times he's been an asshole. Hell, even his interactions with Robins over the, the, the time frame, like, <laughs> you know, call it being a tough parent or whatever, but, you know, which is why. He often bumps heads with people close to him. Him and Alfred, Alfred are assholes to each other. Like, oh, yeah. you Alf- know, there's this love there, but there's still that those moments. Like, and that's part of who Batman is. That's cool. Like, how else do you hang out with all these superpowered beings and 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 put yourself in a position of dominance without having the physical powers that they have? You know, I I, I can sum up Batman in in like a couple like really quick sentences. Yeah, the episode, genius playboy philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a episode of Batman Beyond with with Shriek. The first time that Batman fights Shriek is when um, Paxton Powers um, is it Paxton or is it the other Powers? I think Paxton was a son. It was um, the Powers, right? And he is trying to um, he's trying to make um, he's trying to make Bruce Wayne think that he's crazy, right? And he's hearing these voices and stuff. And he goes into the, the mental institution. He's hearing these voices. Anyway, so Terry finally figures out what's going on. Um, and uh, and like stops Shriek. Because Bruce... Uh, no, Terry, I think, takes the banjo off his head and finds there's like a little... Like a, micro, like a receiver or whatever right in there. And it's like this guy had been sending signals to him, making him hear stuff. And no one else could hear it because the this thing he put in the, in the band-aid on his forehead. When he, like, anyway. yeah. So... So he's like, how did you know you weren't crazy? And Bruce goes, um, he goes, the voice in my head kept calling me Bruce. That's not what I call myself. And Terry goes, what do you call yourself? Oh, that's my name now. And that sums up Batman to the core. Bruce Wayne is an identity that he plays. Mm -hmm. Batman is who he is. Oh, absolutely. And he does not like Bruce Wayne because he sees Bruce Wayne as being this playboy jerk or whatever he's batman the thing is alfred raised him but when he talks to alfred it's never bruce alfred it's alfred batman Mm -hmm. and he treats him like that he may call him dad stuff like that but he is still batman and i play bruce wayne and he interacts with alfred as batman alfred yeah so that really is kind of a dick move to do somebody you know that would be like that that would be like if I became a CEO and I talked to my mom like she was one of my underlings like talk, she reported you talk to, to me. your mom like hey mom was you there when Jesus did blah 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 <laughs> hey mom did you get some of that bread Jesus was passing out <laughs> <laughs> your mom's gonna kick your ass one day <laughs> maybe yeah I was like yeah I I was like um. I think mom was actually on the jury for the Stop Cain the Cain and April trial. Stop she was <laughs> like Stop. she was like, I think just guilty. Stop. Stop. <laughs> but yes, but, like speaking of Batman's interactions with Robins, that's one thing that I love about his interaction with Robin in Dark Knight Returns is that he always calls her a soldier. Yes. Right. Oh when when, it, when the strap breaks and she oh, falls and he so grabs her and everything, he's like good soldier. Good soldier. And and like when they first meet and they head back to the cave together and Alfred's like, oh, who's this? And 
And it's just like this is this is a soldier. Yeah. This is Robin. She is a soldier. I love it's, that when he when he says, "What's your name?" And she goes, "Carrie Kelly, Robin." And he just he just takes just it. Takes it. It's right. so good. Ah, dumbasses don't like that comic. Like, how did you not? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. When people say this is the definitive Batman, it's not because of like you know, oh, he's a hard Batman. It's the little things like. The, the the dichotomy of his relationship with the Joker where mm-hmm. when he retires the Joker goes into a catatonic state until Batman shows up again because he doesn't have a reason to exist if there's no Batman. Yep. When he encounters Harvey Dent after the face change. Oh, so good. <laughs> and he's like he's like, Look at what do you see? And he says, I see a reflection. That is beautiful. That's so good. I mean, those are the scenes that really make the book. Oh yeah. You know? And, and like when he's when he's trying to decide to become Batman again and like the window oh. paint makes a cross on his face and the bat keeps fluttering in front of it god that's so good oh the, the, the scene I love with that is when Alfred says Master Bruce whatever happened to your mustache and he reaches <laughs> up and he touches his lip and he subconsciously shaved off his mustache because oh, he's yeah. going back to work before he even realizes he's going back to work oh yeah that's the shit right there man I was like those are the things that when you look at that book it's like it's, it's one of those things where like you can't not do this it, even even you may take a break sometimes but you can't you can't not do this yeah, it's in yeah. your blood's a part of you yeah you can't turn it off at all and, and I, I love like the undertow of resentment that he has for Superman all throughout the book like that first time he sees him he's like there he is perfect as always it's like so good yeah and when he says he goes and Ollie he's like He's like, yeah. He was like, I regret what I what I did. And he's like, yeah. He was all torn up about it too. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> right. And then when Oliver Queens shows up, he's like, you fascist sons of bitches. Nasty <laughs> 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 shit. <laughs> and then when he beats him, he's like, in this one moment, I want you to know. Oh you know? yeah. Oh. oh man, that's one of my favorite moments of any comic. It's <laughs> just of him humbling Superman like that. Oh, it's it's so fantastic, dude! Oh yeah, good stuff. But those those are the moments, man. Those are the moments. Um, and again, the whole thing is like, I'll kill him! I'll kill him! And it's like, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, that's that movie was great, man. Even even the physical fight between them two was done well. You oh know, yeah, Superman attempting to restrain, but at the same time trying to like. You know, Bruce, I could kill you. Like when he put his hand to, to the armor and barely pressed and threw him across the roof and taking the shots from the, the, the guns that were set up and, and grabbing the, the, the metal and like everything about it was just dope. But assholes don't get it. Yeah. And they don't want to own up to it. So they want to sit back. And, and I liked Wonder Woman. But Wonder Woman was severely flawed. Like, it was good. It was severely it was, flawed. It was good in a lot of ways, but like Ares, the, how they handled Ares, how he looked. Like, he looked like, man, what was, what was his name? Many faces? Many faces. Many faces. Like, you, you could have turned the top of his head and another face would have came out. Like, the old man <laughs> face with the swole body. Like, I'm sure there's a guy like that out here somewhere, but come on, bro. Like, okay. <laughs> come on. Like, well, one of my things, one of my problems with, with Wonder Woman was, okay. So she blocks the bracelets and her the box of bullets with her bracelets, but she didn't have to. Yeah, she's bulletproof. She's bulletproof, but they never really portray as being bulletproof, like in some things, because it's like, it, okay, she takes punches from Ares that knock her into the ground. If you can take a punch like that, you can take a bullet, you know, you know. So I'm like, and then on Paradise Island, a Themyscira, right? She dives in the way to protect Princess Buttercup. Right, and it woods up. So Princess Buttercup dives in the way to, to take you bullets for a month, but you know she's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you died for nothing. You died to to maintain a secret. Okay. And some people are like, well, she wasn't bulletproof until she did. And I'm like, no, she was bulletproof because she was their weapon against Ares. She was always bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, 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 that that was all just kind of that was all weak. And then well, uh, the girl. Oh, I think the horse off the other girl. What? What what really killed me, right? What really killed me with that movie was how it's like, I'm Steve Trevor. I've got a dick. I've never seen a dick before. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it's like, yum, yum, give me some. I'm like, oh, come, no, come, no, no. That that whole thing with her fucking helmet and everything, I was like, oh, no, this, I, I get romantic it. Romantic night under the stars. 
Right. I mean, she just gives up that easy. Fellowship <laughs> and chill. Not, not to mention the fact that her, her big, tight, muscular Amazonian ass would have ripped his dick clean off. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you right now, just regular old Steve Trevor hitting that, she didn't feel a damn thing. Oh, she was God. like, she was like, oh, no wonder the girls are you know, lesbians. And it was like, this is what a man has to offer. I mean, this wasn't like, like you know, like Snoo Snoo. This was, I was like, uh, that felt so forced. It felt like it was straight for the women, oh, right? It had to have been. To, to be like, oh, you you know, it was like, but not in a good way, in a very, in a very demeaning way. Like, women want to see this. They want to see Wonder Woman fall in love or get her, like, you know, her Harlequin romance on with Steve <laughs> Trevor. And, and then, of course, have the tragic love story. I mean, like, yeah, I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah, yeah well, Still a better romance story than Twilight. <laughs> Not by much. Yeah. But, you know, guys, see, going back to Batman Superman, you know, I know some people complained about the uh, the scene where, you know, Batman's like, his like, Superman's like, is she with you? And Batman's like, I thought she was with you, right? And people are like, well, you know she wasn't with him because you've talked to her like, that doesn't mean he knows she's not Kryptonian. Yeah, she tells him nothing about herself. He knows shit about Kryptonian because, again, you haven't had that interview scene like you had in the Dick Don Superman where people, he's like, I'm from Krypton. I do this. I do that. <laughs> now, Lois Lane may know, but nobody else knows. Right, right. So, you just expects Batman to assume that she's from a planet of Amazon, uh, 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 island of Amazons that no one's ever heard of before or seen. Right. And, and like, come on. Oh, he knows that she's, she's old wearing, as hell oh, yeah. and powerful. Right. And I mean, she's wearing a costume similar to Superman's. Same, same color, color scheme. Yeah. I mean, it's like they both have black hair. They're both completely jacked. Why would he not assume that they're together? Right. Uh, people are just, people just get bitchy about stuff for no good reason. Okay, so see this, I'm sorry. See this commercial on TV where this like, this like you know makeup spray paint thing and it's showing yeah, look at me it's like I look like the crib creep keeper and now I look like Elvira okay <laughs> you know what that's a fucking lie you were lying to everybody you know like you know look and for one thing that makeup didn't make that bitch look like that right nah you know nah, that, that was way more than some makeup I ain't right but I'm, like, but I'm like you, you are straight up lying okay if she looked like that now she looks like that that's a fucking lie <laughs> I mean, that's as bad as stuffing your crotch, stuffing your bra, you know, wearing lifts. You know, I'm just saying, that's a fucking lie. We're not talking about fake nails and extensions here. We're talking about I'm making my face look completely different and everything than we actually really looked and pretending like this is how I look. Mm-hmm. I don't like makeup. I'm, I feel, and a lot of times it's weird because some women will be like, if you say, oh, I think you're beautiful as you are, you can't tell me what to do. Whoa, I didn't say what to do. I'm just saying, that right. I think you're beautiful as you are. Makeup makes me feel better. You oh. know what makes you feel better? It's sticky, ouch. <laughs> Why are you doing it? Because, you know, it makes me feel beautiful. Well, you don't see it until you go to the mirror. So how do you know how beautiful <laughs> And besides, I mean, since you can't really trust your eyes, how can you trust that mirror? Maybe that mirror's lying to you. Maybe now you maybe now you look ugly before you were James Blunt beautiful, baby. <laughs> if I can stand here and see a different tone between your neck and your face. Oh yeah, when they with yeah. the makeup mask. Basically. You gotta, you gotta blend that shit in, yo. Even with blending though, a lot of times you can still see like the way sun hits it or, or any moisture hit. Like I, I Okay. Well this this is why, this is why. And I'm gonna tell you this as a person that grew up in a single parent household with my mom who wears makeup and I've been seeing her put on makeup for years back when she used to like go all out when she's like curl her eyelashes and shit like that right I mean and I know these kind of things which sometimes it's embarrassing to be able to talk about this stuff right but when you put on makeup right first off you've got to you, you don't some women cake that shit on right and makeup is not meant to hide your flaws or whatever it's meant to accentuate your beauty so you don't wear tons of it. That's one thing, right? And two, you've got to put on a foundation. You've got to put on a powder, right, to mat that down so it doesn't look shiny. It doesn't look thick and glossy. It doesn't look like a wax. It doesn't look like you can, like, scrape that shit off, right? And then you put it underneath your chin, but not down your neck. You put it just to underneath your neck. Then you've got to blend it in. See, so you don't, you don't just sound like too much work. Dude, dude, <laughs> I, I'm like... telling you right now. When I was younger, my mom would get ready for work, right? It would be like 45 minutes of her putting on makeup. 
And I'm, I'm telling you that, man. Like, I mean, the, all due respect. Put, putting, on, putting on eyeshadow, and then she'd have to blend the eyeshadow in, and, it, and then doing like that. I mean, I would sit there as a kid. I mean, I'm watching her do this and everything. Yeah. And, you know. I've seen, seen women put the tutorials up, and I'm sitting here watching, like, Spider-Man gets dressed for action way faster <laughs> than you do. And I'm like, my God, like, all that for what? For who? But if that's what you like, that's what you want to do, cool. It's just weird to me that that people get offended because someone sees beauty in them before putting on a mask, without putting on a mask. Well, you know, well, this thing is like, no one cared who they were until they put on the mask. <laughs> 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 that that's a girl bane. You're just like, <laughs> um, but uh, but I'm just saying. But that's the thing. It's like that. It's just like anything else. They hide behind a different mask, a different facade. You know, mm-hmm. it's all it's all psychological. It is. It's, it's very much. But I just fall back. Like, okay, cool. Hey, right, that worked for you. Now, I've seen some girls, I'm like, she's cute, but she would look so hot with a little bit of makeup. Not tons of makeup, but just like, maybe like do your eyes, a little bit of lipstick, right? Mm-hmm. You know? See, I, like, I don't have a problem with something here and there, like, but when you start, blah, boom, blah, 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 oh, yeah. blah boom, it's just blah, like plastered on. Then it gets so plastered on. shiny. Oh, no shiny, no shiny. But I ain't got no problem with none of them, because they're not my women. I'm, I'm not, well, should I can't, let me not say my woman as if I own women. <laughs> I'm saying it as in like, you know, I'm not dating that particular person. So it's cool. And let me say on the record, I think it's fucked up what some people try to do with do the Superman because he said he ain't flirting with nobody and catching himself in a Me Too situation. <laughs> I don't think he should have had to apologize for that. That shit is serious. Like, no, not playing them games. Y'all not finna get me. Uh-uh. I ain't even finna give you a reason to think. Dude, I, I was at work and one girl that came back from returning to leave was talking about, you know, how she has to go into the lactation room for, you know, the breast pump and everything. And we were sitting there, it was like, she was, I was sitting talking to my boss and she was talking about some stuff and everything. And she started talking about that and I was like, no, I, I was like, well, it's time for me to go back to my desk. Now, she wasn't saying anything bad, but I'm like, I'm not going to be present for that conversation. It's not comfortable, I, right? I don't, I don't, no, I just, it wasn't even a matter of being comfortable. It's like, I don't need to be present for that situation. I'm not going to be present for that conversation. But it would, not. But it's a double standard thing, because, like, that's okay, but if a guy was to talk about certain things that they just felt like this is some normal guy shit, mm-hmm. it would be like, oh, that's not comfortable. I'm not, I, we shouldn't have to hear that in the workplace. And not saying that that was her, that's how she think. But it's one of those things I hear mm-hmm. people talking about a lot, especially with the breastfeeding thing. I had no problem. Feed your child however you feel, but don't tell me, yo, the child was hungry. I had to feed it then. Well, the child, I have kids. They get hungry at certain times in general. You have feeding times. You could always prepare a bottle if you could. Scenario, I was talking to um, people, I'll, really, I'll, I'll keep them nameless about restaurants who sometimes have policies. And then some may say, well, you can't breastfeed because some patrons are cool with it, some patrons aren't. So uh, the question was, well, they need to figure out some kind of way to to accommodate. Why accommodate one side and not the other? I said, well, what if you went to a restaurant where they had a section where if you wanted to breastfeed, it was set up where there was comfort, there was a little privacy, and moms who wanted to do that or families could be there, and people who weren't for it could go and sit on another side. And they was like, no, that shouldn't be compromised. A woman should just be able to feed where she wants to, when she wants to, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, to a degree, but you're in someone else's establishment. And in their establishment, they're trying to cater to as many people as possible to maintain the balance. So if you was given that option, and someone is trying to compromise, they're telling this group of people, hey, if you go on that side, people are gonna be breastfeeding. If you don't like that, you shouldn't go over there. And hey, if you wanna breastfeed, the people that choose to go over here and don't like that, you shouldn't go over there and do it. And you choose, because one, one argument was, well, I'm gonna go over there and breastfeed anyway. I said that to me, that feels like you're looking for Trump. a problem. Yep. No different than the yep. person who doesn't like breastfeeding saying, well, I'm gonna go over there Anyway, like and complain and complain about it. it's like yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, like so the lady at one of the girls in my book club, right? She had a she had a child like last year, right? We were at book club and she had to breastfeed, right? So she gets her baby, 
she gets a little blanket that she had. She drapes it over her shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, she's breastfeeding. Just because you can breastfeed in public doesn't mean you got to whip your tit out and show everybody. You can do that discreetly, oh, right? Absolutely. So, I, so the, there's not really a problem. I think the problem comes from people that are like, "Oh, you don't like this, or whatever." Like, it, it's just, it's just like, like I've, I've had, I've had these scenarios where. You know, I've been talking to some girl and she like starts adjusting her boobs and her bra and stuff like that, or even like reached into her shirt and like mm -hmm. moves it. But if I were reaching my pants and start adjusting my dick, it's like oh, <laughs> you, just no. made a, you just made a gesture. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the thing is, okay, so Wally, right? When you do make a movement, right, people near jelly, they tend to follow that movement with their eyes. Oh, so yeah. if you reach into your shirt and start you know, like readjusting your boobs, I get it. You know, this movement, it's going to kind of move around a little bit and shift. I get that. But if you start doing that, my eyes are naturally going to move to where that movement is. And I'm not looking at you, mm. right? But you just did something in front of yeah, me. I saw the movement. Right. And once I realize where you are, I'm, I'm going to adjust my my movements accordingly. But, yeah, the initial things, that's almost anybody. Oh, yeah. Because as a guy... When I walk, my balls and shit don't stay in the same place. When I move, there, there's Roger Rabbit. No, man. When I'm moving and everything, I'm moving around. Yeah, my balls and shit move and turn and everything. And, and I'm like, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, and sometimes I got to adjust. And guys always have to do that on the down low. Yeah, it's you, like you gotta, you I got to like sit down in a chair and I got to scoop my chair up underneath my desk and everything. And <laughs> then I can't, I can't be, you can't be caught with your hand and you crouch underneath the desk and it's like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> You know, so what am I supposed to do? I have to get up and go to the bathroom and stuff like that. And then sometimes, by the time I go to the bathroom and I adjust, I walk three steps and shit shifted back to where it was in the beginning. I'm like, motherfucker! You know? <laughs> it's a no-win. It's a no-win for a guy. Like, yep, yep. And it's, it's messed up. And some people don't look at it like that. They're like, well, guys should just... And it's like it's like the toilet seat thing. <laughs> I, my personal belief is, if you feel that... You know, men should remember to put the seat up and then put it back down. Then you should have the same, especially if you're living in, in a situation where there's a, a male and a female living together, then you should have the same courtesies when you leave from that situation. If you put the seat down and get up after doing your business, put it back up for the guy. Like, I just feel like if we're going to be equal about these things, then let's be equal. You can't pick and choose and say, I want equality in these things here, but over here, you know, treat me this particular way. Yep. Like, okay. I just think that's that's kind of fucked up. I'm gonna say this though about that whole toilet seat thing, which I've never had a problem with it because I always keep my toilet seat down anyway. Because I'm like, I don't. It's got a lid on it. It's got a cover. There's a reason for that, right? Um, but if you're going to the bathroom, and and I get it, as a woman, right? You don't have to worry about aiming. You sit down, it goes. As a guy, I gotta worry about aiming. So I can't normally pee in the pitch black. I have to be able to see a little bit of something because even when, even when I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stand right here, I'm gonna aim straight down. Sometimes straight down ain't always straight down. Which is so another thing. You can be, you can be like hitting get. a rim or something, you right. know. Most so, women don't get that though. But if you're going in the bathroom in the pitch dark and you just sit your ass down in the toilet, that's your own damn fault. Yep. I mean, that's some stupid shit. That'd be like me walking into the kitchen and just putting my hand on the burner and everything. It's like, I assume it's going to be off. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, like, that's just some dumb shit. I'm going to check it first. That is how evolution happens. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'm going to say this, right? If that's the case, then we'd all be dead because all the women would die. And then we'd all be sitting around trying to figure out a way to procreate. But none of us want to carry a goddamn baby. <laughs> and then the people that will, like, you know, take a dick are the ones. They still can't produce a baby. So... Pause. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just feel like if, if this is what it's gonna be, then this is what it's gonna be. Like, don't, don't put these expectations on me to do certain things, and you're not willing to do them as well, or, or share in the joy and the responsibility of. Like, damn it, yeah. And when I pee, no, it doesn't go straight. It, it, I, I, like Jerrell said, you focus, you try to aim, you try to be on point. <laughs> just doesn't happen that way sometimes. Yeah. So. You know, you know, in, in, in science class, they taught us, in, in chemistry, they taught us that you never add a base to an acid, you add an acid to a base. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because when you're pouring it, what you're pouring it into is going to splash out. So what splashes out, you pour an acid into a base, so what splashes out is the base, not the acid, right? So let's take that same principle. I'm peeing in a toilet, right? Mm -hmm. I'm peeing, right? 
So, which is the same, the equivalent of taking a a squirt gun and squeeze, squeezing it to take, but it's a continuous stream, right? So it's gonna hit and there's gonna be some splashbacks. So you're like, can't you aim? It's not my aim, it's fucking splashback, which I can't control. I have no power over that. Right, unless I'm gonna piss in a tube, right? <laughs> And the only other way, the only other way I can, I can I can like stop it is if I flush and then pee while it's flushing, right? And I'm sorry, but normally my pee and like how long it takes for a toilet to flush, they they're not synced up, right? No. So I'm like, yeah. I mean, unless you want to say you're like, okay, come with me. I'm gonna pee and you're gonna watch me <laughs> do it, right? And that goes to like a whole weird fetish thing, because because yeah. like the next time she's like, hey, you gotta go pee. I want to. I want to watch. Me like, all right, come on. You know, so I'm just just saying. It's just. I think the whole fetish conversation should be had pretty early on in the dating phase because you don't want that sprung on you. Mm. Like, excuse me, you want me to do what on your head? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you. Yeah, baby. On my head, not lips. (laughs) You're blind now, baby. Hey, can, can you pull that up? Yeah. You gotta you gotta read that for Wally. You gotta oh, read that God. for Wally. Well, so we got kind of derailed from Infinity Gauntlet, but I think we okay. covered pretty much everything there. Uh, the pedal falls twice. Pedal falls twice. Okay, so we're we're gonna end this off with a reading of the pedal falls twice. So what's the backstory to this? Okay, yeah, that's right. I remember now. So this was uh, this was presented in. Um, the book Serpent in the Rainbow. Is it Serpent in the Rainbow? Is it? Or is or it Gravity's Rainbow? Gravity's Rainbow. Gravity's Rainbow. Gravity's Rainbow. By Thomas right. I get those two mixed up, but uh, yeah, it's it's like a philosophical novel, somewhat akin to uh, Atlas Shrugged. Uh, no, I think it's more along the lines of, uh, oh shit, what's that other book that I, have that I haven't finished reading yet? That thousand page book that's like fucking nuts. Um, oh shit, I have to pull up my phone. Um, it's the one by the guy that killed himself um, after he wrote the book, but well, it wasn't right after he wrote the book, but oh my goodness, I can't believe that would be a hell of an exit, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, the end. I'll have to pull it up because we started reading the book and I couldn't get I really this is the book where the guy like made up words and shit. Oh, yeah, I've and then it. like, wrote, are you sure but, that's not Gravity's Rainbow? That's not, well, Gravity's Rainbow is I'm saying it's like this book okay, right here. Okay. Um, and it's just like, oh, what? okay, anyway, so yeah, Gravity's Rainbow is this weird book. About a guy who every time he gets every time he gets an erection, like missiles fly and everything from like it's it's safe here. <laughs> All right, so he's okay, we just passed it. So guy. yeah, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do this reading here to wrap up this show. <laughs> the pedal falls twice. She slowly licked and tickled his peeny, and because she was so smart, combined the words in her head like an expression explorer of old. Slickled, she thought. I'm slickling his peeny. No matter how brilliant her wordplay, the result was the same. Gary's peeny was now erect. It felt like a quality bar of peeny-scented soap in her hands. Without warning, she gave it a swift headbutt because men like that. All men like that. (laughs) Whoa, Melinda, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that makes me forget about my problems. (laughs) Melissa derived satisfaction from this comment despite the mangled pronunciation of her name. She could feel her horny levels rising to 30% and her hoo-ha was getting right slimy with anticipation of participation. I'm just going to pause here and say this is like the kind of shit Chris Chan writes. <laughs> okay, this this whole like horniness levels rising to 30%, that's, that's totally Chris Chan. Okay, anyway. Um, Gary, me need sex now. Inside, please. Damn, Melissa thought. I wish there was a better way to say that. <laughs> Gary was only too eager to comply. He wrenched his peeny away from Melissa's grubby paws and thrust inside her hoo-ha with a thunderous orgasm. She was pregnant, but that could be dealt with in the morning, provided she was still alive. Outstanding stuff, Melanie, Gary chortled. I know I could just go to sleep now, but I would like to continue satisfying you sans peeny. Gary nudged downward, and his peeny was nowhere to be seen. What in have you mind, eh? Just sit back and relax, kitty cat. Melissa did just that, falling back onto the bed and stretching her perfect seven body, eager for Gary's attention. He started working his magic immediately, and she felt an all-too-familiar heat rising from her breasts. Gary was crouched over top and pooping all over her unbelievably average body. Gary, so stinky. That's just the poop, baby. Just let it work its magic. I can't see anything. 
That's because you're blind now, Goldberg. <laughs> it's like a bad drug trip. I don't know what <laughs> that was. He never he never calls her the same name twice. It's always like it's always a different name. Mildred. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I don't know why I continue to allow myself to listen to it. Maybe hoping that it would eventually make sense. It would all nope. make sense. I text that to friends and family members all the time. Because oh, it exists as a JPEG. Oh yeah, dude, it's so awesome. It's you're amazing. Like, you're like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I'm trying to. I, I can't. I can't believe I'm. I'm. I'm blanking on the name of that book because. Oh, I, I gotta check one more place for it. Yeah. I'm because, going to uh, urinate and corner myself on this you know, nice... You know we are still recording. <laughs> yeah, I'm urinating, people. <laughs> Shit, if it doesn't get edited out, you will know that a man goes to bathroom. Bathroom <laughs> waits. Bathroom is patient. Bathroom opens mouth. Mouth <laughs> receives urine. The nation has been fed. Thank you. Wow, that was... <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Can't be no worse than what I was just able to take great, interesting joys in understanding. Um, it yeah, felt no, like that, I was listening to a combination of a weird porn script and Biggie rapping about shitting on a woman. I, it all comes together. All I have to say is, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Mm. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. But the the, the, the nation is still fed. <laughs> Thirst. My, my favorite copy pasta like that is uh, the, the ex-Marine sniper one. The fuck did you say to me, you little punk? I don't know. Oh, that. it's great. It's like two full paragraphs of just how he's a trained sniper and how he's going to track him down and kill him for disrespecting him. It's so funny. Well, I'll read it off camera. Okay. <laughs> or off off mic. It's so weird not actually like recording footage. This is different. It's going to make editing so much easier. I got I to gotta find this book real quick before we shut down. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure people will be wondering. Uh, and I, I know if anybody from my book club here is just like, how could you forget the name? Hey, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Yeah, a book, a book so crazy that there are so many, like, there are other books about, hey, this is like a guide for how to read this book. It has, <laughs> it has footnotes, right, that reference shit that you, like, that you go back into the back and, like, in like the back of the book, the appendix. Yeah. And you know, like a footnote is only like a couple sentences or maybe a paragraph. These are like pages. Wow. For one footnote. He makes up words, but you don't know if he mm. made up a word or, or if it's an actual word. And then like the made up words, right? You don't know like what they mean. Right. And the, the book is so just like fucked up and weird. And it's like a thousand pages long. And you're like, what in the world is well, this? Who picked this for your book club? Well, here's the thing, though, right? It's one of those books that's like, you have to read. Everybody has to read it. And people that read it like, this book is like life-changing. But it's <laughs> right. like the most bizarre thing. See, that's that's all I heard about Atlas Shrugged. And it was like, no, no. I read it. I got really bored. I mean, like... Infinite Jess has a part where they're describing this tennis court. And it's like three or four pages of describing this tennis court and all the tunnels underneath the tennis court that the guys have to hide in so they can smoke weed. But they have to be careful because during certain times of the year, the tennis court, like it's uh, it's got these gears and everything. Basically, it'll flip upside down to protect the, the, the court and everything during right, like, the winter. Right. And you've got to be careful in the tunnels when that happens because if you are, you can be crushed and killed or trapped in there and you won't be, and no one will know you're in there and they won't find your body until spring when they turn the tennis courts back around again. Okay. But, but he goes through the, he goes through and like describes every tunnel and thing and it looks like this is labyrinthian like maids of, I mean, <laughs> Three pages of this. So kind of like Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> Only this guy's this guy's pretty celebrated. Right. 
Well, hey, I mean, Stephen King's pretty celebrated. Hey, uh, I mean, we don't like him, but he's pretty celebrated. I'm not going to get into Stephen King. <laughs> I was I was bitching about Stephen King to uh, to some of my other friends the other day, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got one friend who likes Stephen King, one who doesn't. Um, so the, the friend who didn't like me was like, "Well, here's the thing with Stephen King is that every single character who gets introduced is you get this, Jim." For 15 years, Jim had lived in this town, and before that, he had lived in Milwaukee. And he was born in Minnetonka, grew up in a small old town with one stoplight, and he just like went off on this perfect Stephen King description of a character. It sounds like Garrison Keillor reading Stephen King, you know? <laughs> I just, many, uh, many people never heard of the dog named Pujo until one day Broke Blue started running through the town. <laughs> Old Man Smith saw him there and he's like, look at that dog with shaving cream all over his face. He thought it was funny because sometimes he used to shave his dog too. Back when he was first learning how to shave as a boy and his dad said, you want to learn how to shave, son? Here, go shave old Poochie. Now, Poochie was his dad's dog that he had from a long time ago that had died one day during a horrible tragic hunting accident. He wasn't actually hunting, but somehow the dog he got trapped with his foot on the, on the rifle and shot himself in the head. They loved old Poochie, so they had him stuffed. And Poochie used to sit there in the living room, and when he had to learn how to shave, his dad said, Well, here, let me show you how to shave. And that's when they first put shaving cream on little old Poochie. <laughs> so when old Mr. Smith saw Poochie running down the street, he said, Oh, look at that dog shaving cream on his face. Looks just like Poochie. Yeah. And then when the dog came running at him, he's like, Come here, boy. I'll let me shave you. And that's when he saw that he might have had rapes, but they never really heard of rapes at the time. He used to call it the old foaming mouth. And so he's like, that dog's got the old foaming mouth. And he tried to run inside, but, well, Miss Smith couldn't really run that well after the time of the war. Yeah, he had gone to go see the war. There was a movie playing that down at the old matinee, and there was a fire in the matinee. Well, not at that day. The fire had actually happened many years ago, but they left the seats in the theater, right? Because they weren't really damaged that much. Plus, it was a historic landmark. So he used to like to sit up in the balcony. Well, one day that seat gave way in the old blistering wood, and his leg got caught. He pulled his leg out, and he Just was fine. Just the same leg that he had the football injury on. <laughs> he was fine until one day, many months later, he was crossing the street and got hit by a car. And he thought to himself, yeah, I probably would have been able to dodge that car if I hadn't hurt my leg watching the end of the war. That's what he recorded, where it referred to the movie in the matinee with the war. So, after getting hit by the car and losing his leg, and then when he saw old foaming mouth Cujo, he tried to run away. Well, it just didn't quite happen. And that's when the dog attacked him and started biting into him. And he's like, you know what? This is nothing like Poochie. This is nothing like shaving the dog. And as Cujo bit into his throat, he thought to himself, hmm, he probably wouldn't have been able to find my throat so well if I hadn't shaved off my beard. This is kind of all Poochie's fault. And that's when he died. <laughs> That's another tale from Lake Wobegon. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate Garrison Keeler. <laughs> and uh, shitty ass stories that go anywhere. Huh? I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me it doesn't sound like one that of those was stories. Perfect. That was on the nose. <laughs> it reminded me of the hippo in Five Nights at Freddy's Custom Night. He's, there's like a hidden message and that's, that's his kill screen is that he he just goes off on like a four minute long story and it's just like that and he's just like oh yeah and we, we were having a picnic and and oh man he he gave me sweet tea mixed with lemonade have you ever had that oh it's so good it just keeps going and going and going oh. it's so funny it's like your penalty for losing because <laughs> there's no way to skip it so it's hilarious all right well anyway so this was the first, probably second, third, and fourth, probably yeah, yeah, podcast of our moms think we're funny, and hopefully you think so too. And if you do, then that means that you have the same taste as our moms do. So may God have mercy on your soul. That's yeah, pretty sad because my mom doesn't think anything's funny <laughs> except Archer. Uh, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, Archer's but for being if I try to short something now, she's like. I don't find that kind of stuff funny. I'm like, <laughs> but you, like, the, the thing is that, you know, okay, whatever. Oh, yeah, well, I, I think we've lost Wally, so. Yeah, well, we still have Roscoe, Je- Leroy, Roscoe, <laughs> Roscoe, Leroy. He's still with us. Both of them bitches is 
out. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is curling up, ready for sleep. I'm ready why? for sleep. Because they're both bitches. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy Roscoe always says, if you're going to be a bitch, be a bitch. If not, then stop bitching. <laughs> I remember that. That was good advice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back with more later. All right. I will never say any form of nigga. I, you know, I'm cured of that. Uh, right there, folks, that was Our Moms Think We're Funny. Let's, uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>